Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Yukon Pods Fast Break Conversation. This is Amon Kidwai, and I'm very pleased to be joined here by a special guest. He's a former player on the Yukon men's basketball team and a current high school basketball head coach. Jonathan Mandeldub, thank you so much for joining me. Man, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to speak on a podcast. Hopefully everyone is having a great day. Uh, well, we're doing the best we can. And I hope you are as well. Um, Jonathan, you were part of the Huskies from 2006 to 2010. Very interesting uh, time for that program. Um, let's, let's kind of go back in time as far back as we can, we can try to remember. What was, what was your motivation for picking UConn way back in the day? I mean, I've heard this question uh, (laughs) at least a thousand times, man. And and, and a thousand times I've always led back to UConn. Uh, During the time, and and I have to be blunt, um, if if this school were to have been, you know, know, if I would have attracted this school, it would kind of put me at odds. Uh, But the University of Illinois, uh, was a, was actually my first dream school. UConn was my second dream school. Uh, University of Illinois was my first dream school, and they never recruited me. Hmm. And I remember having a game in Houston, Texas. No, in Dallas, in Dallas, Texas. And I had a phenomenal game. I felt great about myself. I, you know, I, I really didn't pay attention to who was watching the game and why they were watching the game. And I remember my dad, you know, giving me a call later on that night was like, hey, UConn just came in and, and want to talk to you and want to offer you. And I was like, UConn? Like, the UConn that we just saw, you know, uh, Four years, you know, a year ago, win a national championship, UConn. And he was like, yeah, that UConn. And I was like, the UConn that won a championship in 99, that UConn. (laughs) And I just went down to history. um, And and I picked the school. When I got to the school, I never, I've never in my life been to the uh, East Coast, let alone the New England area. And when I came here, I just looked around and I visited, you know, unofficially Missouri. I visited at the time when Coach Kyle was at University of Memphis, um, you know, UGA, Georgia Tech. I, I visited Florida State. I visited some of these other schools. And um, when I got to UConn, like, I just looked around and was like, this is it. You know, and, and I and I remember telling my father, I said, this is it. This is this is where I, I'm most comfortable with as far as the surroundings. I'm I'm not necessarily feeling like it's a burden. Um, I, I wanted to commit Saturday night to Coach Calhoun and my father made was like, wait, wait until Sunday, Sunday before we leave and let him know. And, and, you know, things happen, had a great time Saturday with the, with the guys. And then Sunday, Sunday morning, before I headed back on to uh, going to Hardgrave Military Academy, I told Coach Calhoun that I'm coming to UConn next year. This is it. This is it. So, um, you know, Jim Calhoun, legendary head coach, 
Uh, he's, you know, he, everyone knows that um, when, when a coach is recruiting you uh, versus that second you, the day you step on campus, the, t- the tide changes a little bit. So, um, and, and I think Jim Calhoun might be legendary for, for making that turn. So can you just share kind of what that experience is like for freshmen? Uh, <laughs> hell on wheels. Uh, <laughs> Uh, in in a good way, you know, it, it, it was the funny thing is right, and, and I remember, I remember somebody saying it or or somebody mentioning it to me, and they were like, you know, he's gonna be tough, he's gonna be tough, and I'm like, well, let me tell you a story about my high school coach. My high school to- coach, you know, automatically told me like, son, excuse my language, but. When you're on a basketball court, you're a piece of shit to me. But when you're off the court, I'm going to love you like you're my own. And I, that was the first time that, you know, as far as a recruitment battle or, or understanding the player-coach scenario, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is what it is. And this is the level that I have to obtain in order to gain a, enough respect from my coach and my peers to let them know that I'm a contributing member of not only this society, but this, this program. And when I got to UConn, it was, it was great because we had eight other guys that were freshmen that were going through the exact same thing. So coach Calhoun in his mindset, he couldn't necessarily say freshman, 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 look at you guys screwing up and all the sophomores, juniors, and seniors on the team are freaking killing it. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any seniors. Right. We, we only had – we have four – no, four, four sophomores, you know. Shout out to those guys. Rob Garrison, Jeff Adrian, you know, Marcus Johnson, you know, uh, A.J. Price. But A.J. Price really didn't even play, so technically he was the ninth – you know, freshman. That was his first year of actually playing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and Craig Austria, I don't know if I said Craig, Craig Austria. Um, and so with, with those guys, it was kind of like a learning process for everybody because everybody was in, in new roles that, um, you know, if hindsight was 2020, I, I, I don't think Coach Calhoun actually – pictured in the in the fall of 05 going into I mean in the fall of 06 going into 07 that he wouldn't have a senior on the team yeah. nor junior and nothing but sophomores and freshmen yeah so what was that like I mean you know those UConn yep. teams um you know you're like you mentioned coming off a lot of success for the program and then you kind of had a a class reset. So what was that experience like? You know, you know what, that experience was like a dog fight each and every day. Um, the dog fights would be amongst us as players. And then as coaches, you know, trying to figure out who's going to give a little, and then who's going to take a lot, you know, and, and figuring out that pecking order of who's the man, who's behind the man and who think they are the man. And then who's, playing the role of supporting those men you know and and I think that uh for my first couple of years it was you know really a support I mean for my years at UConn it was a support role um that I found myself in 
being a reserve and, uh, you know, helping out my teammates become the best team player that they can possibly be while also becoming, you know, a teammate. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, the mantra and, 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 and how we carried ourselves on the court and, you know, just that grittiness, we weren't the prettiest of teams uh, to watch, it, you know, from having the success to, you know, struggling to find our, our identity as a, a new age team during that time, you know, which is still will be considered part of the old Big E's, you know, the last of the old Big E's, um, you know, w- was great because we were all trying to figure out life, you know, let alone basketball as young adults um, in college. And, and, you know, there were stories of guys, you know, fist to cuff, you know, uh, getting into little scuffles here and there. And, and if you and, and if we weren't doing that, we weren't playing. We weren't being competitive. We weren't, you know, in each other's face. We weren't trying to challenge each other. And everybody was okay with the status quo. Oh, I made it. This is a UConn uniform. This is something that's given, not earned. Yeah. And that wasn't and, – and, and Coach Calhoun made sure – I kid you not, I think our first day of practice is like hell week. It's like the first day of hell. And we're practicing in the old uh, – in the, in the, in the uh, field house, and we're running. Like the practice is literally run, 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 pass, run. The ball doesn't hit the floor. If it hits the floor, we're running 28 suicides. Move, 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 move. Everything was was on the go. You know, everything was up-tempo, 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 up-tempo. You know, and then we had to make the transition, which I love this, this, this transitional phase because in the gym for Gam- in Gamble, when we were practicing in Gamble, um, the, the practice uniforms were laid out. Now, if you if we made it to Gamble, we got to put on the practice uniform. If we didn't make it to Gamble, we had to stay in our what they 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 issued like a T-shirt that said UConn on it, athletics underneath it, and some gray uh, shorts that said UConn athletics on them. And though that was a reminder that the uniform that you thought you earned in a, in your scholarship offer you know, that, that isn't the case. Like you gotta, you gotta get through this, you know, you know, running Cemetery Hill, you know, Cemetery Hill was more of a joint exercise to make sure guys literally communicated and stayed together and, and, and pushed each other. You know, it, it was always that factor when it came to that unity piece that we had to wake up Saturday morning you know, making sure that we're not out one, two, three o'clock at night, Friday night, you know, as a college student, we want to be college students. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, waking up that morning, running at 840 and being on the, you know, at the bottom of that hill at 830, you know, it, it made you aware of one, your time and how precious it is Two, your rest and how important that is. And then three, your hydration and how you, your meal prep and, and, and what you're eating, fueling your body with, because those things kind of uh, put together the package that you see from guys like Kimball Walker, 
mm-hmm. you know, going into his 10th year now in the NBA, um, doing what he's doing right now in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, you know, that preparation was all started right in stores, Connecticut. Yeah. You mentioned kind of, you know, you, you settled into um, a role as, as a reserve and, and obviously everyone has their journey, right? You know, mm-hmm. they come to UConn and, and I know this from covering recruiting, just seems like most kids, they come in and they, they plan on being a superstar, right? And then mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. things change. And, and for you, you know, at least you stayed at UConn for many people, it involves transferring, you know, Mm-hmm. All of those pe- names you mentioned earlier did not end up finishing their time mm-hmm. at UConn. So um, can you can you kind of discuss that process of, you know, you come in with, with extremely high hopes for your career and uh, it's not, you know, it's not settling or anything like that. It's just kind of changing and finding your place. But, um, you know, what was that experience like? It certainly, you know, probably was not the first thing on your mind is that that's how you're playing time would play out, right? When you first got you know, there. You, you, you know, the craziest thing was I I truly honestly, if I, I would be lying to you if I told you that mentally I was prepared to go in and say I was going to be playing X amount of minutes coming right out of high school. Yeah. Um, I wasn't. You know, I, I know when, when I sat down with Coach Calhoun, the, the biggest comparison um, for me, for a guy that was in the program prior to me, was Hilton Armstrong, you know, a guy that pretty much burst onto the scene his senior year, mm-hmm. you know, and got better and play, played against NBA players, you know, throughout his career. You know, when, he, and when it was his time, you know, he showcased what he learned from those, playing against those guys. Um, so when, when I got recruited, that was kind of the, the forecast. And I remember watching Hilton the year before that during that year of 05 going into the spring of 06 and falling in love with the process that he went through and then hearing about his story, you know, off the court, it was just, it, it spoke to me, you know, more so than anybody else's because I wasn't. Yeah, you know, yes, I was a top 100 recruit, top 150 recruit in the in the country when I was coming out of high school, but um, you know, I, I was more or less a person that was loyal to the people that was loyal to me in regards to understanding the the plan that they have for me, and and and, and I'll be lying to say that I didn't have family members pulling at me saying, hey, you know. Freshman year, okay, but your sophomore year, you don't really play that much. We might have to, you know, transfer. You, you know, it, it may be a good look to just yeah. get you out of there. And you know, I remember distinctively telling them, "I'm like, transfer where?" <laughs> yeah, you know, like, it, it, you know, it'd be one thing if Coach Calhoun did not want me and just said, "Hey, look, this isn't for you." Yeah. Okay. Simple as that. I'm going to be honest with you, kid. This isn't for you. And he's a blunt person where he will sit down and tell you, hey, we looked at the optics of everything, and this doesn't help you as a man become the guy that you want to become. And I'll help you get into a school that will help you be the guy that you want to be. You know? And 
that's the thing when it comes down to recruitment and, and playing at UConn. And the reason why I was so loyal uh, to Coach Calhoun, and not only to Coach Calhoun, to Coach Sellers, to Coach Moore, uh, to Coach LaFleur, to Coach Blaney, uh, Coach Ben Wood, uh, who was a grad assistant. Uh, I mean, and, and several other guys that have gone on and, and, and you know, are now in other roles in life and things of that nature, even down to the managers that we had. Um, that's why I was loyal to them uh, more so than anything, because there was that brutal honesty that I had to get better, but I had to, it was things that were in my control that I had to do. And, uh, and during the recruitment process, it wasn't any fluff. You know, it wasn't, hey, you know, it's going to be glamorous a little bit. You're going to be able to play 20, 25 minutes starting out. You know, then we'll, you know, rotate some other guys. in. It, it wasn't any fluff. And um, I appreciated that because it let me know, you know, going back to that, that saying that my high school coach had, hey, when you're on the court, you're shit to me. But when you're off the court, you mean the world to me because I'm, I'm going to figure out how to make the, you, you the best man that you can possibly be. And that's all that you ask for, yeah. you know, and, and hoping that, you know, that comes with respect and into recruitment. And, and a lot of the times, a lot of the guys kind of, you know, I was the first, I remember I was the first big to commit outside of, I want to say either Stanley Robinson or Curtis Kelly. Um, and when I did that, I was like on the depth chart as number one center. And then Hashim came and Gavin Edwards came, you know, right after me. And um, then it was like, okay, it's a balancing act on this depth chart and, and, and doing those things. And, you know, Hosh is seven foot three and, you know, yeah. being talked about being an NBA player because of his size and where he's come from in Africa and things of that nature. And then, um, you know, Gav was a, was a, a West Coast face-up big that can shoot the ball and, you know, do all these other intricate pieces, you know, pieces that you ask for bigs to do now. And so, you know, dealing with those guys in practice was, was great because you got to play against, you know, different styles of bigs, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and so in that recruitment piece, you know, what a lot of guys got to understand during that time was, you know, the Big East had versatility when it came to the bigs. Uh, you know, the guys like Jeff Green, who's still playing in the league, you know, was playing the four at Georgetown. You know, so we had to be versatile, <laughs> you know, and have these guys, in, you know, as far as recruit, recruitment goes, um, having these guys that are able to defend and also offensively be able to give us what we needed to get out of the post, you know, because that was what UConn was hanging their hat on for the last, you know, three to four years where they dominated the post. You know, we led the country in block shots for two or three years. And, you know, we, we had the number one defender in the country, you know, one year. And so, you know, those things, you know, prior to me coming to UConn was evident and, and they were posted and talked about and, mention you know defensively UConn was known as one of the top five defensive teams in the country 
Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the things about, about Jim Calhoun that maybe even goes a little bit underrated is just the whole thing of how he built up a program at UConn that really didn't have much, much history behind it. So when, when you think about, you know, what his, what he's like, what his coaching style is like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and now you're a coach yourself, what can you say about what Jim Calhoun has done uniquely to succeed and, and, you know, why you think he was able to build up a program again with no, no historical backing pretty much out of nowhere. Um, I I would say this, he is a psychological genius. (laughs) Um, and, and, and the reason being two, two reasons being one, he's able to paint a picture that nobody else can see. And then two, he can make the figures that are on a board or whether in a game move the way that he needs them to move. And he knows how to motivate those. And he figures out how to motivate those to do the things that they need to do. Um, and, and those two things right there were are, have always been evident over the, you know, 28, 30 years that he's been coaching. He coached at UConn um, prior to his retirement that that made UConn successful. Yeah. Psychologically, he he can get his guys to do what they need to do, but he makes sure that he paints a picture of success if you believe in him. That I believe that most coaches envy and you know trying to build like you right now you couldn't get me give me three coaches outside of and i will say well technically yes but technically no mark few at gonzaga that program was actually built before him and had foundation um going into his era of gonzaga but uh, you can tell me another program that came out of nowhere that garnered national attention year in and year out. That was that's in the what the second or third smallest state in, in the United States. Yeah, you know, yeah, there there isn't there isn't one. You know, and I think what isn't talked about and in 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 you know, far as the the basketball Mount Rushmore. To me, I think Coach Calhoun is on the basketball Mount Rushmore, not because I played for him, but because what he has done with the amount of resources that he had. Um, He was limited. You're talking about Power Five, the the limited amount of resources that he had. He may do with what he had, you know, with the guys that – you know, he brought in the coaching staff that he was able to bring in and and, and nurture and, and build and groom. Because you, you had guys like Coach Moore, you know, Tom Moore was with him for, you know, I want to say 14 years almost. Yeah. You know, so that's a guy that was groom, 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 groom. Then he got his opportunity to go to Quinnipiac. Yeah. You know, Coach Sellers, you know, got his opportunity to be an assistant coach and, and, and cut his teeth, you know, on the trail, on the recruiting trail and things of that nature. Now he's continuing on his path. And, you know, Coach LaFleur, who was coaching at UNLV um, a couple of years ago, 
you know, was, you know, given his his opportunity by Coach Calhoun. Uh, the head coach, Dave Lado, you know, gave, given his opportunity to cut his teeth out of school, you know, during its early infancy stages to, to you know, becoming the man that he is today and, and being the head coach at DePaul University. So when, when you talk about Mount Rushmore, you talk about the coaches, you know, the the John Woodens of the world. I believe that the Dean Smiths of the world. I, I believe that wholeheartedly uh, Pat Summits, Gino Oriamas, uh, and even Gino, um, you know, those guys, they belong on the Mount Rushmore due to the simple fact that they actually built from scratch the programs more so than handed a program and told that a you know, financial backing is going to be there for everything that they possibly need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. remar- remarkably persistent individual and uh, incredibly competitive. Um, he's very, he, he's very direct. And I actually, um, you know, I, I, I speak to him, you know, uh, every so often. And I remember him uh, giving me a call, uh, geez, uh, four years ago, 2016. I got a call and uh, he said, uh, hey, John, this is, this is Coach Calhoun. And I saw it was an 860 number, so I was wondering if it was you, Con. And, you know, we spoke for a second and he was just like, now you see what I go through. <laughs> and I laughed. <laughs> and I laughed and I said, you know what, Coach, you, you're 110% right about that. Because um, the things that we put you through, you know, I'm now going through uh, with, you know, the, the kids that I'm coaching. And, and actually during that same year, now I have a young man that was on that team that I coached that is playing at Marquette right now as a sophomore. So, um, you know, having that conversation brought back some good memories and, you know, a great laugh that I needed during that time because I was picking my head, you know, picking my hair out because of a loss that we had. To, two nights before that I'm trying to figure out how to motivate my guys to get over that hump. Yeah. So, you know, he was the best person to, to, to talk to about that motivation. Um, I, I think like one, one thing, uh, you know, as far as motivating was concerned with coach Calhoun, he utilized his family, his faith, as well as um, his struggles. Uh, I think his struggles as a as a man and, and what he went through uh, health wise, um, battling cancer, um, and 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 giving back, you know, to doing, you know, having his cancer research center uh, at, at UConn Health Center, and um, and I might be wrong on on, on that front. Um, correct me if I am, um, but. He, he always uh, brought little motivational tools. And, and I remembered on this distinctive day, it was, it was a Thursday and we were uh, beginning practice. We all were, you know, walking up together after shooting around and talking some mess to each other. <laughs> and um, coach got us together and said, you know, said his, his couple of words of inspiration. And, and he always has a quote. He has a quote of the day every day. It's a different quote. Now, I, I couldn't tell you the quote, which is perfectly fine. Um, but as we started to kind of go through the motions, 
he brought us back together again. And this time it was it was kind of eerie because we're like, oh shoot, we're about to get cursed out. We we just going through the motion. And and, and it wasn't actually, it was the funniest thing. He points up into the bleachers and in Gamble and right below the scoreboard is a family of three that's sitting and they're in Yukon jerseys and shirts and you know he says you you know those two parents up there are some strong people he said but the strongest person lies right in between them and it's the young lady it's a young girl it was a young girl I remember this to this day it was a young girl and he said that she has a terminally ill cancer at stage, I think she's at stage three, but it's one of those cancers where they're just trying to figure out ways of operating on. And one of her favorite pastimes is watching UConn basketball with her dad. And he said, she doesn't know if she, every time that she goes to bed, whether or not she's gonna wake up tomorrow. to do what she loves to do. You guys are given an opportunity to do what you love to do, to wake up and be blessed and be able to run up and down the court, dunk a ball, shoot a basketball, block a shot. I re and and it, it was, we were all like kind of dumbfounded, you know, cause what do you say? <laughs> at that point you're talking about a little girl who probably is no older than maybe six years old seven you know and it was it was great because then i remember the energy and the practice just picked up dramatically you know the coaches were in, like everybody was just the enthusiasm was something that he he preached all the time it was never about putting the basket uh, the ball in the basket it was enthusiasm for life because the game that we played was our fuel and our for, for this passion that we had for this game. And I, I, I distinctively remember that day because I remember how much the word enthusiasm truly meant to me as a player, but really what it meant to him to live his life and the values that he had for himself as a man, let alone a coach, let alone a, a mentor and a father. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, um, it, it was, it's been clear that, uh, Jim Calhoun really did take a lot of care with his players, uh, and, and even in being involved in their lives after their career, kind of like how you, you shared, um, you know, how he called you with some coaching, <laughs> coaching tips, but, uh, um, you know, one of those examples is, uh, with your former teammate, Stanley Robinson, who, who did, mm -hmm. we got the sad news mm -hmm. of his passing earlier this summer. Um, and, mm -hmm. and he was someone as well, who, who we all know had a great passion for the game, uh, and mm -hmm. an ability to, to draw enthusiasm, uh, with the way that he played. Um, anything you want to say or share about, about your former teammate? In the he, he embodied what 
the Yukon impact and enthusiasm and passion was. Um, if I can pinpoint any player that's not Kimball Walker, that's not Ray Allen, that's not Rip Hamilton, uh, that's not Khalid Alameen, I mean, Rudy, uh, Rudy Gay, you know, Emeka Okafer. If I can really pinpoint a true UConn player that embodied what UConn was all about, as far as defense, offense, passion for the game, uh, it was Stanley Robinson. Uh, I, I, I distinctly remember countless times. We never really ran a play for Stanley. <laughs> Didn't need to. Never. Never ran a play for Stanley at all, or Sticks as we called them. Yeah. And Sticks embodied that was was one that was so unselfish that you rarely heard him talked about. I can't do this. I can't do that because I can't touch the ball. Rarely did you hear him speak about that. And he was all he was excited for everything. Every little thing, it was like Christmas to him. <laughs> it, 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 like it, it, it was. It was just one of those things. And I, re, I even remembered um, <laughs> uh, during the Final Four. We, had, I think, was it the Final Four? No, it was during the dinner for the Sweet Sixteen, and I did an impersonation of of Stanley because. You know, Stanley whispers and when he talks and it's just like, man, how you doing, man? <laughs> and and, and, and it, it's, you know, it's just one of those things that, that that's how he spoke to people and, and engaged people whenever he, you know, engaged folks that were out there. But uh, but Stanley embodied what it meant to be a UConn basketball player when it talked about enthusiasm, when it talked about working hard on the court, you know, and, and, and being selfless. I think that's the key word, selfless. Uh, you know, him giving up his body for rebounds and put back dunks and steals and defensive stops and, you know, just all these little things that sometimes may, may go unnoticed to the naked eye. But to us, it was just like, man, this dude here, whew. He's gonna get. He's gonna give it his all, even though his all may not be the best. Yeah. He. I mean, uh, I, as we meant, as we discussed, uh, I, I went to UConn around the same time, uh, and mm -hmm. so I I know for a fact that he was so many people's favorite player from that era. Um, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it sounds like from your story, you know, many people's favorite person. You know, just full stop. Mm -hmm. um, and I think something that always stands out from the fan perspective about him is the way he was forced to take some time away from the program and ended up earning his way back onto the team. Um, could, could you just share from you, from your experience? Yeah. Like what it was like to, to see that, know that was happening. Like, what did he do when he wasn't, you know, with the team, how did you guys see him? And then, you know, what was it like once he came back? You know, um, when that transpired, it was kind of out of the the blue, because uh, we're not all. I mean, you know, players, you're not a part of the decision making process for things like that. 
But um, he, you know, he worked his ass off, man. Uh, working the scrapyard, <laughs> you know, making ends meet, you know, yeah. staying humble, you know, humility, having that humility. You know, coach has ways of just humbling people, you know, in 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 helping guys understand why you have to be humble and have that humility in order to succeed in life, let alone this game of basketball. And when we saw him going through that process, I remember it was times like, uh, you know, he would come in late into his apartment late at night and, you know, I that'd be the first time I've seen him, <laughs> you know, and then waking up and he's not there, wow. you know, or, waking up on a Saturday, you know, uh, waking up on a Saturday and he is, um, you know, going to work and we're like, <laughs> what? We're going to break. We're going to brunch. We're going, we're all go <laughs> going to grab brunch while you're going to work. And, and to see him go through that and him not complain, you know, other guys, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, today's age now, if they if if your coach told you to take some time away from the team and 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 reevaluate who you are as a person, a lot of young men will will transfer. Yeah. Cuz they they believe that the coach doesn't be, doesn't believe in him. No, the coach sees something greater in him. He's just not seeing you obtain that greatness due to the simple fact of extracurricular activities that you're doing or not doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so when we saw him, when, when we knew he was coming back, you know, I want to say it was like January 1st or 2nd or something like that. We were ecstatic. <laughs> we were ecstatic as a team. We were ecstatic as a program, you know, because we were going through shifts and, and some guys were getting banged up, you know, was hurt and, and, and you know, couldn't do much. And and that's when actually during that time we end up losing uh, Jerome Dyson. Yeah. I want to say we we end up losing Jerome Dyson, and you know, and I was going on that Final Four run. It was just like, man, to see that happen and 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 how it transpired. And I remember we had we only had like eight guys in practice. I'm like, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know everybody's important. Everybody's role is important on this team. But uh, to see him during that time um, work his ass off, one, you know, work his ass off and not complain about any situation. Did he? Did he pro- probably have moments of doubt? Oh, definitely. We all we all did. But um, again, he persevered. Uh, he pushed through. He, you know, obtained the goals and objectives that coach set out for him. And he, he, he did what he needed to do in order to be a contributing member to the UConn program. Yeah. Yeah. And you uh, know. incredibly sad to hear of his, of his passing. And, you know, he was really clearly trying to stay, stay in the game of basketball and working really hard to do that. Yeah. You know, um, his departing, um, it's, it's not a curse, but yet a gift, you know, he's always with us. Um, and, and knowing that 
you know, he was working to be the best that he can be for himself, as well as his, his three beautiful children. Um, it's something that I always remember him by more so than his passing. Um, and understanding that, that we as humans, let alone basketball players and former, you know, pros and things of that nature, we as humans, we, we have mistakes. We, we make mistakes and, and we have flaws. Um, but the biggest thing, and this is one of the things that I, 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 I preach each and every day, you know, even with my story, how do you rebound? Do you rebound with one hand, one foot, two hands, two feet? How do you rebound? Because life is going to throw you an obstacle that one, you ain't going to be able to catch or two, you have to understand how to position yourself to be able to, to catch it. And if you're able to catch that rebound, and be able to adjust from that miss that you possibly had, you're good to go. And if you can't, you know, learn from it, try to build on it and continue, and continue to, to, to push forward, you know, and, and I definitely, you know, my brother definitely did that and he was definitely on his way to doing the things that he needed to do um in order to improve not only his life but his his family's life as well yeah yeah absolutely and so you know you guys uh, you mentioned um part of part of the final four team you were able to kind of go from that scrappy group of freshmen and sophomores and and um you know really reach incredible heights um but you know for, for you, um, I guess, how did you go about thinking about what you were going to do uh, after school? Wow. Um, I, I didn't have a true plan um, outside of just playing. You know, some you, know you just want to be a basketball player and you just want to play. Yeah, I you know, had aspirations of, you know, testing out the NBA waters and things of that nature to see if I'm you know, capable of being able to be a part of that association, that great association. Uh, but truly, I didn't even have a geographical location of where I wanted to go, you know, when I wanted to go there. Um, and actually, it was probably a gift and a curse because during that time that I was trying to figure out life, I ended up just start working with kids while I was still playing and, you know, heading overseas, coming back, heading overseas, coming back and just doing that, that, you know, playing that game, you know, during those times, the, the layoff times I was coaching and training, you know, young girls and young boys that were in high school, you know, and so with, with that being said, it just, it just transpired into, um, you know, I was living in Georgia, training kids, really not fully engaged into what kids truly needed because I was still working on myself and figuring out my life. Then, you know, two years later, moving to Chicago, Illinois, and, you know, working at a, at a elementary school and was like, you know, they had a need for a coach. And I remember I was coaching fifth and sixth grade girls and the city semifinals 
to go to the city championship and we end up losing by two, three, two points, actually. We end up losing a game by two points, my little fifth and sixth grade girls. And that night, I just remembered saying, I'm, I'm pretty much done with basketball playing. Now, I got a phone call a month and a half later to, to work out for some teams and do some, some skirmish games and some uh, preseason games with some CBA teams to see if I can, you know, catch on with a CBA team in China. And I went to China for a month and a half and played out there versus some teams and things of that nature, but did end up not getting the call. Uh, but when I came back home, when I moved back to Chicago, I ended up uh, overhearing a phone call conversation about a, a coaching opportunity. And I knew that mentally I was done playing basketball. And I wanted to start coaching because I loved that feel, that feeling that I had when I was coaching those fifth and sixth grade girls in the, the city semifinal playoffs. And so I end up calling the school and just saying, hey, I, I'm cold calling. You know, I, I wanted to find out. I heard you guys got an opening here at Westinghouse High School. And I wanted to put in for the girls' head coaching position. You know, two months later, I end up getting the job. Boom, you're the head coach. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> I thought... <laughs> I didn't know that you guys were going to take me serious. You know, I don't, one, I don't have, I have zero high school coaching ability uh, or experience at that time. And um, it was a fun year, man. I, I end up coaching against uh, a lady by the name of Dorothy Gators, who has over 1,100 high school wins. And she taught me a lot because when I went up against her, before I went up against her uh, competitively, I asked her a question. I said, what is your keys to success? She said, one, to have players. Two, to have really good players. Because you can't be a coach without players. And she, you know, she said she, she didn't know me. She knew of me, she knows Coach Calhoun and Coach Ariyama and all those wonderful people. Uh, but, you know, that little advice has taken me to where I am today and finding the players that I need to find to be able to be successful. And when we played against her, I end up having a girl end up going to junior college and then she finished up her last two years at Murray State. Nice. Um, and, and so she was my first Division One athlete that I coached in high school um, during that time. And then from there, it was just a wildfire. I was, the new fire was lit in me as far as, you know, being a player to now being a coach and to see success of others versus having success myself as a player was the new goal and you know now i'm into my seventh year um uh, i did three years i'm sorry one two three i did four years for the boys 
And now this is my third year coaching high school girls. I've been blessed to be able to coach in the seven years that I've been coaching now over 40 collegiate athletes ranging from division three junior college division three all the way up to high major d1 yeah no it's uh it's great to see and i think um you know any any way that you can stay involved in a in a great game like basketball and like you said all the all the ways you can help other people unlock their potential that's that's an amazing gift um yeah go ahead no, I, I think that's the key that I, I found out about Coach Calhoun more so off the court, you know, seeing the guys come back and be around him and, and be around the program. I mean, we had guys all the way back from class of 1989 coming back and, and just hanging out around and, and seeing how Coach Calhoun was doing and seeing how the program was doing. And, and they might not have been in, you know, basketball roles at that time. Um, but just seeing those guys come back and care about what's going on or just care about how coach is being, is being treated and vice versa gave me a, a, a picture that I didn't know that I was going to have until, you know, I, I obtained the position that I obtained back in 2014 that let me know that this is the new fire. This is, this is the new competition that I know that I can be successful at as well as help others with yeah. my story, you know, leaving, you know, after leaving 2010, you know, not graduating from college, having a, you know, the whole ordeal with the APR system and, and not, you know, being a part of the problem of when the 2013 team could not compete in the uh, NCAA playoffs. I felt I, I, I was part of, and, 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 and I will wholeheartedly say that I was responsible during that time. Um, but, but God had another plan for me, and I ended up obtaining my college degree. Like you said, uh, <laughs> You know, it took you a while. It took me seven years coming back and obtaining my college degree so that I can profess to the next wave of talented young men and, and young women. Um, this is, you know, this process of and this love that you have for the game can do so much for you. But I believe that education will open up the doors that sometimes athletics may close. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned uh, Coach Calhoun gave you that call and said, now you know how I feel. So what, what, what was, you know, what are some of those things that, you know, now you look back and you go, I would do that so differently now, knowing what I put coaches through by doing this. You know, what, what are those common things that players do that, that get at coaches' nerves that are so easily prevented? You, 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 you know what? Some of the things, uh, one, paying attention. Simple. Yeah. Pay attention. Okay. Uh, two, making a mistake full speed. Uh, three, communicating on the court as well as off the court consistently. Mm -hmm. uh, four, effort. Effort, effort, effort. Five, loving the, just loving the game. Loving the process of the game. Sitting down, watching it talking about it, 
you know, those are some of the things that, you know, I know coach was referring to because that was what I was going through with guys and, and, and just like, Oh my God, what, what is it today? (laughs) You know, what, what, uh, you know, as I'm scratching my head and I got family members like, man, you got some gray hair. And I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm like, look, I'm not dying in no time soon. I'm not hiding from the process that I gained wisdom. But, um, you know, those are a couple of things that when we mentioned that phone call and was just like, now you see what I go through. <laughs> you know, you, you see what I have to deal with. The parents. You know yeah. the, the 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 AAU coaches, you know the trainers, the uncles, the aunties, the girlfriends. You see what I had to go through. You yeah. know, even though it's on the high school level, you still go through it. Yeah. We still go through the same things that that some of these college coaches are going through. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing. And yeah, I think that just that call is such a funny thing to think about him to, him deciding to pick up the phone and call you. <laughs> I just, it was it was it was it was a weird like it was so weird. It was just so. And when I say so weird, it, it was just like because you think about what you actually put him through as a player, and you're like. I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I do apologize. You know, you know, I, I could have been much of, you know, a little of an asshole, but it's okay. Yeah. I learned from it. I, I'm, I've, I've grown from it. You know, yeah. It's just, it's just one of those things that you kind of look back and you make a little checklist of the things that you knew that you did. You know, well, <laughs> whether it be on purpose or in, you know, unintentionally, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's very relatable. There are certainly a lot of things that I'm sorry about that I did in college, uh, especially <laughs> looking back so, uh, to some of the adults that I had to answer to in my life. So I think that's very relatable. Definitely. Uh, we'll close it out with a few rapid fire questions. We'd just love to get your thoughts about some fun things relating to UConn and college basketball. So um, let's start with an easy, fun one. What was your favorite place to eat at, in stores? Ted's. <laughs> what what at Ted's? Ooh, I, I made my own uh, uh, little little special. I ordered my own little special combo plate of uh, chicken and how it was seasoned and and what they use with with the uh, barbecue sauce and some honey. So yeah, nice. Uh, that was that was my little go to. Yeah. I say Ted's to everyone too. I, I say to Ted's the barbecue chicken pizza. The yes, the, that was the second. The barbecue chicken pizza, of course, unbelievable. That's the legend. Unbelievable. That's, that's what legends are made of. Um, best non UConn player you saw during your time uh, in college basketball. Ooh. Darius Butler was pretty good. Sure. Yeah. Darius Darius Butler was pretty good. Um, Man, it's some guys that I'm I'm trying to remember. Like, not and this is even including Mm walk-ons. But so I'm. But I'm gonna have to stick with D. But Darius Butler was 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 really good. He was a good athlete. Um. What was your uh, favorite arena to visit? Ooh, 
MSG, baby. <laughs> MSG. I mean, just to just the historical piece about it yeah. was, you know, evident. And then to come to find out that the darn floor is above the actual, you know, floor where you walk into, to find that out, to realize that the stadium was actually you had to look up at the stadium, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable atmosphere every year. What about your least favorite arena to visit? I hate it. Uh, we went up to Syracuse. The dome is, is stupid. Yeah, it's nasty. It, it was, <laughs> it, it's just a nasty place to go to. It's, you know what? Let me take that back. The rack, Rutgers. Rutgers gym is horrible. The floor, horrible. The parquet <laughs> floor that they had on, horrible. The facilities, horrible. <laughs> well, now you're not, not going not gonna to get any opposition with Syracuse or Rutgers for that choice. Uh, so good, <laughs> good, good picks. Um, and then uh, who was your least favorite coach to play against? Jim Behan. Yeah. Again, I would say Jim. I would say Jim Jim Beheim or uh, um, the coach at Providence at the time, Tim Welsh. Mm. It was Tim Welsh. I would have to say Tim Welsh over Jim Beheim. Let me take that back. Tim Welsh over Jim Beheim. They always had our number for some some strange reason. Every year we cannot get over the hump versus those guys. Tough times. Well, we, we persevere. Um, well, that's that's all that I had for questions. But anything anything that you wanted to share in parting, a message to UConn fans. How how are you feeling about uh, the team this upcoming year? I would say this. I'm very optimistic to see how the chemistry lies with the youth, the new uh, pieces that were brought in, the new pieces that were brought in the year before and how well they mix with the older, the seniors, and, and the juniors that have been at the university for the time that they were there. Um, and, and I'm very optimistic because I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic to see, you know, Book Night take that next step to being one of the great lords of UConn's lineage of players. Um, he reminds me a lot of Jeremy Lamb um in game and versatility uh, you know to see andre jackson get on the court and be a defensive hound and be another rashmel jones uh to to see um you know the bigs matriculate into being a you know a mecca or you know edmund saunders or or you know just just one of those dogs that we needed down low to, to finish out their senior year. And then also, you know, the freshmen, the really good freshmen that we got in um, to matriculate and, and work on their bodies and get ready for the collegiate season uh, is it, something that I look forward to seeing, man. I think we have the pieces to be a special team uh, with the experience and the youth. Um, I, I just hope and pray that uh, during the middle of the season, more so than the beginning, that we find our footing and we hit the ground running like we, I know we should be running. 
Um, last year was definitely, definitely a special season as far as turning the uh, turning the page and 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 getting oh and finding ways of being able to win games when he needed to win games and uh, competing games that you know were bang bang all the way down to the you know down the stretch. Uh, and, and so I, I look forward to seeing those things improve. I, I look forward to seeing our shooting improve. And uh, I look forward to just competing, you know, seeing them compete and, and, and ruin those guys on from afar. Yeah. And they're back in the Big East. We're, we're excited for that as well, right? We're, we're the A. Welcome, welcome to the new Big East, but it is the Big East, let alone. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for that as well to see the see those uh, see that title on the floor again um, after you know it was brought up to put on the American, which mm -hmm. don't get me started was just Conference USA all over again. Um, don't get me started either. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't end well. Don't, don't get me started, but you know I'm, I'm i'm happy to see those guys back i think that the big east was was trending in the right have been trending in the right direction um in the last four years totally and i, I think that with uconn coming back into the fold it, it's just going to topple over some of some of the other conferences that are out there due to the simple fact that now that top to bottom the conference can really say that it is a strong power five conference Excellent. Well, Mr. Mandelov, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your story. Uh, wish you all the best uh, as you assume the role of head coach for the women's basketball team at the Winchenden School. I hope you have a great season and yeah. uh, have a good and uh, hope to be in touch soon. Yes. Hey, guys, please follow the girls, uh, girls Winchenden hoops um, on Twitter which is the Twitter page for the Winchman Girls Basketball Program. This program ran by myself. And if you have any young ladies that's looking for a program, um, looking to learn from a guy that's been around, did some things, and has continued to improve each and every day, please give me a, a shout, Coach JDove32 on Twitter. Thank you, guys. Thank you for, for entrusting in me and having this conversation. Thank you. I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a blessed day.